Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today's psalm is number 66. To the choir master, a song, a psalm. Shout for joy to God all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. All the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They sing praises to your name. Salah. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds toward the children of man. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the river on foot. There did we rejoice in him who rules by his might forever, whose eyes keep watch on the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. Salah. Bless our God, O peoples, let the sound of his praise be heard, who has kept our soul among the living and has not let our feet slip. For you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. You brought us into the net. You laid a crushing burden on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water. Yet you have brought us out to a place of abundance." I will come into your house with burnt offerings. I will perform my vows to you, that which my lips uttered and my mouth promised when I was in trouble. I will offer to you burnt offerings of fattened animals, with the smoke of the sacrifice of rams. I will make an offering of bulls and goats. Salah. Come and hear, all you who fear God, and I will tell what he has done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth, and high praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened, but truly God listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. This is the word of the Lord. Now the author of this psalm is not mentioned at its open. Having studied some of the Psalms of David recently, especially Psalm 65 just yesterday, this does sound an awful lot like the other Psalms that David has written. So it wouldn't be surprising if we attributed this one to David, but it's not here, so we can't. Not for certain. Are there other possibilities? Well, if you just read the context of the Psalm, it's praising God for his salvation from slavery in Egypt from delivering them by bringing them through the Red Sea. And verse 6 there, it is third person. They passed through the river on foot. However, then as they're out of Egypt, there did we rejoice in him. It goes from third person to first person. So I suppose perhaps we could suggest that maybe this is written in the aftermath while they're still living in the wilderness. This could be written in that case by one of the first earlier leaders of the people of Israel. Joshua would have passed through the Red Sea, so it doesn't seem like it would be him, but one of the generation to follow 
perhaps could be likely over the next couple hundred years. We just don't don't know for sure. Anyway, what's the psalm about? Let's take a look. Shout for joy to God all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. So, praise God. We have our own hymn, right? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. We sing that one as a family in my house every day. Or at least we try to. It's part of our routine. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So we praise God for what he has done for us. This was yesterday, Psalm 65. We saw it. We talked about it as families. What awesome deeds has the Lord done for us? He's created us. He has redeemed us by Christ, by his blood, by his death on the cross. He has saved us from death by his resurrection. He's made paradise for us. And there's other things too. His daily bread that he gives, he provides for us. The psalmist here likely has in mind the plagues, the miracles of God, the crushing of Egypt's army in the Red Sea, that it brought the enemies of God in repentance and fear before the Lord, that the enemies of the Lord saw and some of them would believe. Exodus chapter 7 verse 5 very specifically says that of the plagues for the Egyptians. It's for them to know that their gods are futile but that there is a true God and that he does provide for his people. So repent, believe. All the earth worships you and sings praises to you. This points us, I think, forward to Philippians chapter 2, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. In the short term, this is a reference to the idea that God will have his people all throughout creation. There are Christians all throughout the world today who praise God's name. This is good. Thanks be to God for it. But it it does point forward. It does point us to the last day when Christ returns, at which point everyone will, will give him praise, but not everyone is saved. There will be no choice, just as the demons who bow before the Lord recognize who Jesus is. So will the evil people of this world who have spent their entire life rejecting him. But he will give them the desire of their heart. He will let them have that rejection that they so wanted. But they'll know on that day who he is. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds toward the children of man. So again, I would encourage you to take time focusing on those things that God has done for you, for your family, and has promised to do for you even forward. But again, the the psalmist here has in mind Exodus 14, the Red Sea, as God parts the sea with a strong east wind, and you've got the wall of water on the left, a wall of water on the right. And so great is this miracle that the seabed is not just a muddy mess, but it's completely dried up, that the Israelites can easily walk across to the other side on foot. They passed by. They didn't need boats to cross this sea. There did we rejoice in him. I mentioned that could help hint at the context of the psalm a little bit. It doesn't have to, though. The plural, the the we language, first person, we do that today, too. 
we are together the body of Christ. We are part of what we call the church militant. These are part of the church triumphant at this point that we're discussing. But how often do we speak of ourselves as being the same? That every Christian, everyone who has had faith in Jesus Christ, who looked forward to the cross or who now get to look back upon the cross, we are his. We're a family. If I had a, a family member who did not believe in Jesus Christ, Joshua of the Old Testament would be more family to me than that family member. We're brothers in Christ. I would get to live with him every day in paradise. So we do. We speak this way. We lump ourselves together with the faithful throughout the generations. So unfortunately, we're not going to be able to pinpoint our author on this one other than the Holy Spirit's work to put Scripture down on paper. Papyrus, parchment, paper now. He rules by his might forever. This is true. Forever, forever. Jesus is enthroned even now. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father and he will come to judge the living and the dead. He keeps watch on the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. Check that pride. Judgment comes. That was one of the original themes for the season of Advent, by the way. Christ is coming. Repent. For when he comes, judgment day is at hand. Today in the Lutheran Church, we tend to focus with Advent a little bit more on hope, that Christ's coming is our hope. Both themes are true, and both themes have a historical connection for us. Bless our God, O peoples. This is a reference to thanksgiving. The idea of blessing, when the greater or the superior blesses the inferior, it is a gift. When the inferior blesses the superior, it is a thanksgiving, a response to that gift. So, as God has blessed us, so we bless him. He has given the gift. We give him thanks for his good gift. So we are told twice in this psalm, verse 8 and verse 20, to bless God. And how do we do so? By letting the sound of his praise be heard. Thank him among the peoples. And this is a difficult one for the Christian today. We have been taught not to. Intentionally or unintentionally, in some places it's intentional, right? Some of us were very specifically trained when we were growing up that there are two things you don't talk about. You never talk about religion and politics. Yikes! What did Jesus tell us to do? Make disciples of all nations. Teaching them. We are here to share the gospel. But unfortunately, again, intentionally or unintentionally, we don't want to. We shy away. We're afraid to speak. Verse 8, then, for us is a challenge. May the Lord strengthen us. May he give us the courage and the boldness to speak his name and to praise him among the nations. And that means in your neighborhood, in your house, 
in your place of employment, wherever you are, may we praise his holy name. He has kept our soul among the living. John chapter 10, verses 28-29, as Jesus talks about how the Father has us in the palm of his hand and no one can snatch us from the Father's hand. He upholds us. Verse 10, you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried, brought us into net, crushing burden on our backs, let men ride over us. We went through fire and water. This could very well be the picture of slavery in Egypt, that God allowed his people to be oppressed in this way. Or if it's written later, it could refer to the judges, the cycle that goes through the book of Judges of oppression because Israel sins against God. Either way, these things are a call to repent, and as the people repented, God delivered them. As we repent of our sin, the Lord delivers us. Christ has forgiven that sin. Thanks be to God. Then we come to verse 12. We went through fire and through water, yet you have brought us out. Hear the words of Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1 and 2. But now thus says Yahweh, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. Walking through rivers. Israel passed not only through the Red Sea, but also through the Jordan River on dry ground. A lot of people don't recognize that second account, but it definitely did happen. Passing through fire. We think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the book of Daniel, chapter 3, as they are for their faith, because they would not bow down to Nebuchadnezzar's idol. They are cast into the furnace to be burned alive. And yet they walk through fire and they are unharmed. They don't even smell like the fire when they come out. You know, if you've ever been next to a campfire, you smell like the fire until you take your shower and wash your clothes. They didn't even smell like it. God protected them, guided them through. Isaiah probably doesn't know that reference, nor the psalmist here when writing these things. But God, God at work, he brings us out to a place of abundance. In the context of this psalm, that's probably a reference then to the promised land. Rescued from Egypt, God leads them to a new home, a land flowing with milk and honey, the good stuff. Milk couldn't be refrigerated, so it had to be drunk fresh, but they would have plenty. And honey? Honey was the dessert of the ancient world. Sweet to the tongue. I will come into your house with burnt offerings, Perform my vows. So we have the picture of of thanksgiving again. These are thanks offerings. Doing whatever we promised God we would do. That's true. We want to be careful that today Jesus tells us not to vow, not to make oaths and swear. But in the Old Testament, if you did, you were to fulfill it. That which my lips uttered and my mouth promised when I was in trouble. Rash vows. This reminds me, though, of Luther's stormy night that changed his life. Uh, he's in a fierce storm and makes a 
a promise to God that if the Lord would deliver him, if he would spare him, well, he's actually praying to one of the saints, if God spares him, he'll become a monk. So he gives up his path of seeking to become a lawyer. The rest is history, as we would say. Come and hear, all you who fear God, verse 16. I will tell what he has done for my soul. Our psalmist invites people, the faithful, to come and hear his story, to come and hear the awesome deeds that the Lord has done for him. He's going to share his faith. And he's going to use that testimony to build up his fellow Christian. I say Christian, they didn't use that term yet for another 1,100 years probably, but again, we are one body in Christ, even with those who have gone before us. May God help us do the same. May the Lord help us speak his word and his name to others in the church and out. In the church, the body of Christ, to each other, to build each other up, but also to those around us in our communities who need to hear him. I cried to him with my mouth, high praise on my tongue. So the picture of, of singing to the Lord, rejoicing in God, praising his name. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. I'm going to pause there. This is our spot for family conversations today. Instead of loving our sin, what does God call us to do with it? He calls us to confess our sins, to lay them before him, to turn away from them, repent. That's what repent means, is to turn. So you're facing your sin, you turn away from your sin to God. You could turn a different way, you could turn to another sin, but we're called to turn to the Lord. Confess our sins to Christ. And follow up on that question. What does God do when we confess? He forgives. Parents, be that person for your children. I mean, ultimately, yes, Jesus is the one who gives the forgiveness. And you have a pastor. I pray you have a pastor in your, your midst, in your congregation, who can speak those words to you week in and week out, and even in between when you need to hear it. But we also have the body of Christ. We are a part of the body of Christ. And when we sin, we can speak those words to each other, reminding each other that Christ does forgive. And so when sin happens in your house, forgive. Teach your children to forgive. I'm sorry, son. I, I messed up. I didn't speak the truth. Help your children to know that the response to that is not, it's okay, don't worry about it. The response to that is, I forgive you. And you teach them that by modeling it for them. When they say they're sorry, forgive them. Help each other know that Christ forgives us. And so our psalmist says that God has listened to him because he has not treasured up that sin in his heart, but he's confessed it. God has heard him. Verse 20, blessed be God, thanks be to God, because he has not rejected my prayer. He has not removed his steadfast love from me. God is faithful. God is merciful. God cares for his people. We can read verse 20 and at the very end of it just simply shout amen, which means truly or indeed. We join our voice to that prayer. This prayer is our prayer also. Thanks be to God that he is still for us.
loves us, forgives us, saves us. Amen. Praise, praise.